Cool. Testing. Yeah, cool. Nice. All right. Welcome to the podcast. This is it. We're in. Awesome. Cool, man. Uh, yeah. Uh, so Manchester, big, big design scene happening now. And it's, uh, it's, would you say it's as big as London? Was it, is it as big as London yet? For design? Um, it is big. To be honest, like, that's probably a really like, um, serious question you're asking there, which I don't know like, <laughs> which way to go of it. But I'd probably say like London's like this and Manchester's like this. But it's right. almost like Manchester's like a condensed version of London. Yeah. Um, and I think, I think they're kind of on par, to be honest. Like, I think given kind of like what's happening at the moment, um, where kind of like a lot of people used to sort of like go to university in Manchester, they go to London to get a job. I think they kind of like, with everything sort of working remotely and stuff, I think people are realizing that um, they don't need to be in a capital anymore to work in those big high-end jobs, you know, yeah, yeah. Big, big clients are working remotely. And I think it's happening in New York as well, where I think I read a, a headline the other day where people are saying like, people are realizing that you don't need to live in New York anymore to get the dream. So a lot of people are leaving and moving to the sticks and stuff, which... I think is you know it's a it's a good vibe I reckon. Yeah, I, I love the north. I think uh, I, well, I'm definitely gonna move up there one day, um, wherever that may be. I think currently it's Liverpool, but uh, that's probably a nice. football thing. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so. yeah, yeah. I've got a mate who's like a, a big Anfield fan, and I. Nice. Um, if you ask me anything about football, I'm not. I'm not a huge football kind of like fan and stuff, but I, I remember my, my mates used to have like this running joke with me where I used to read like the headlines and I'd be there and I'd be like, oh yeah, that guy's moving, isn't he? And they'd look at me thinking, he knows nothing about football. <laughs> Even though like I've worked with like, you know, United and City in the past and yeah, stuff, yeah. I think I've always learned enough to get, get me by in that. And I, I, I do love the game growing up like, 10 minutes from United's ground and stuff. I used to cycle uh, down there and I remember nearly getting run over by Eric Cantona and stuff. And wow, that's a story. He, yeah, he, he, like, I used to cycle around on my BMX and this guy came flying out and stuff and me being the, the kind of young lad that I was showing him the Vs and stuff and then I realised this fella jumped out and started shouting at me in French and it was Cantona and I was like, oh, sorry, mate, and stuff. And he was like, you know, super, super idle. But I think growing up in like, you know, 10 minutes from the ground, we used to have like gigs and Bruce and Palace that kind of come into my school and stuff and integrating and back when it was kind of like you know that was part of the culture and stuff where they'd come to the local schools and everything I kind of you know United is very much kind of like in my blood and stuff especially my parents and my grandparents and stuff yeah so nice. it's, a, it's a beautiful football city definitely so you've given the V sign to cancer I have yeah 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 <laughs> definitely and uh, I doubt he'll remember me though to be honest like uh, but yeah, that's one of my uh, claims of fame, I reckon. <laughs> that's a great start to the podcast. I'm excited for this. Um, <laughs> but yeah, we, so we were talking about a little bit before about your history. Your, your history it has your back, yeah, your background, your story. Um, uh, history makes you sound really old, and I don't, I don't know to do that to people. Um, but yeah, so tell, tell, tell the people that are listening, uh, who are you and, and what do you do? Yeah, I'm James O'Connell, and I... I kind of have like this kind of covert life, which is called James Pop, which is where I kind of do a lot of illustration. And I think it's more, it was more like a, a sort of pseudonym at the time of leaving uni when um, I think Lollipop was taken um, by some sort of like provocative kind of website, which I won't get into. Um, so I kind of took James Pop and um, that's my kind of like moniker for doing illustration stuff. And then um, on the other side of it, I run a, a boutique small agency called Round as well where I kind of take on select projects and stuff and um, like that kind of background is more kind of like brand and kind of creative directorship and stuff like that. So mm. I can sort of like jump between them both and, and have fun basically. Nice. Yeah. 
and this is this is something I want to talk about on the podcast. Is your illustration style is very very clear, about, but you uh, you come from a background where you did everything. You, you know, generalists sort of can can do anything and talented in everything. So, um, so yeah, this is something that I find a lot of young designers and as people are listening find uh, find they always want to niche down. They always want to specialize in something. They always feel like they have to. Uh, is that the case? Do you, do you have to niche down at straight out of university, or like when's a good time to start thinking about that? Well, I think when I when I kind of left university, I mean, I'll I'll sort of tell you my degree. Basically, it was kind of like a, it was a new degree at the University of Bolton, and that was an interesting choice because I at the time I think when I was making my choices in college, I was kind of like I was uh, enjoying life too much. I was drinking, having a lot of fun, and I think my choice at the time were basically made like how far away from Manchester can I get? And I think I applied to like Exeter and Hull and a few other places. And it wasn't really kind of like drummed into me at the time about, oh, this university is great. You know, they're really selling it to me. And I, I, I don't think, I, it was probably part and parcel of, I used to go to college and then I kind of get a little bit bored and we'd disappear. And I think um, I remember just like, in the art class, I was like, me and my friend used to just get mega high. We'd go and do our art <laughs> class. We'd do drawing and stuff. And and I kind of thought like my my dad's kind of like a car, was a carpenter and stuff. And I always thought, you know what? I really want to do something with my hands. And then I was doing art. And then I think loads of my choices kind of got like culled. And then I think I got University of Bolton. And it ended up being this like brand new degree, which was multimedia and creative slash web development. So I think, I mean, this this will kind of like come round to the point, but it was kind of like, um, it was a bit of everything. So that because it's a new degree, they basically took loads of different things from everywhere. And it just meant that like you were doing sound design for games, you were doing filming, you're doing website design and all these other nice. kind of things. And, and kind of like, I love that because I think at the time I didn't really know what I wanted to do. And I was kind of like bouncing around and stuff and, I think I was working in Tesco as well as customer service manager and earning a bit of cash and stuff and trying to say, yeah, that's it. Exactly. Living the dream, mate. Um, And then, (laughs) yeah, kind of like, I think coming to the end of, yeah, honestly, mate, this is it. (laughs) Like um, I kind of, I kind of semi sort of regret it because like it used to zap my weekends when everyone was like, oh, you've got to do placements in these places and stuff like that. And I was like, you know the parent my parents kind of said to me like you know when you're 16 you got to start paying your way and stuff like that and I'm I'm totally thankful for it because it, le- it taught me like the true value of money and stuff and mm-hmm. I think yeah kind of like I mean and even working there I think having friends who weren't doing what I was doing I, I mean some of my best friends now are basically you know from from Tesco and stuff when I first started and they kind of got me out of my shell and kind of sort of like molded me into kind of like who I am at, who I'm at the moment and and I think for me at that time, I didn't really have many friends who were designers and stuff and none of my family were designers. So I think I kind of like found it quite, not, not difficult, but to get into the system and stuff, no one really had any advice to me, like really solid advice where when you look at like the Shillingtons of the world and stuff like that, where they get like, you've got people who are working like within the industry to come in and sort of base, basically tell you like what's and all, this mm. is kind of what it's like. And, and I think that, and it's interesting because like that, that kind of element there, I really kind of like had a problem with that, but I'll get back to that later anyway. Um, but at the moment, I kind of like leaving uni, um, I met a couple of creative directors who basically said like, you've got to choose one thing and you've got to do it really well and stuff. And I've always been kind of like, fuck, you know, that sounds like perfect advice, but I don't know if I get really bored and stuff. And at the time I was wet behind the ears. And I think at the moment, at that time, I think I was like, yeah, I want to be an editorial designer. I love typesetting. I love like, you know, 
editorial design in terms of like fashion and stuff like that and I kind of reached out I, I thought you know you've got to be in London to sort of make it and stuff so applied to loads of different places in London I got into Days magazine which was one of my favorites because it kind of fused like you know design with fashion but it was bonkers as well and and I think after when leaving uni I really wanted to do something that was a little bit kind of disruptive and and quirky and weird and and kind of like went to London did that uh, came back uh, with like still no idea kind of what I wanted to do even though it was a good fun time and stuff and um, speaking of Liverpool before I kind of like um, I had a job in Liverpool at a, a publishers where I was like sole designer um, wet behind the ears thinking you know this is it I've made it I've broke it in broke into the system um, and then kind of like after three months or something when you work for a magazine and it kind of like survives on advertising um, and being a designer you design that advertising you rapidly realize like shit there's no advertising coming in man I've designed the magazine and there's no advertising so basically um, it went bump and it was during the economic downturn and I was kind of scrapping around thinking shit I've got a month's rent left on this beautiful apartment and then yeah kind of like had to had to move back to Manchester and um, yeah kind of like I don't know, getting back to the question I, I don't think it's only been one kind of person who's probably kind of like funneled me in, in, a, in a direction. Whereas I think everything else has kind of sort of been on my own back really in terms of like, I'm going to carve my own way. Uh, I'm going to figure right. it out and stuff. Yeah. Which is, uh, it's been, a, sorry. No, no, go, yeah. yeah. It's, 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 it's been an, it's been an interesting ride. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, yeah. So, so young, young designers listening, would you, do you, would you give the advice of you have to go one niche or would you say, when you're starting off and you're coming out of university or, or, you know, you go straight into it from college or, you know, wherever your start is, would you say try and be general and try and appeal to more people or how would you, how would you, the ideal be? What's the ideal? I suppose um, it just depends on where you, you kind of see yourself going really. Like if you want to be in a, in an agency doing like one particular thing, um, mm. I'd probably say like niche down and kind of like, you know, if, if there's one kind of element that you, you love sort of working in, explore it, expand on it, find research, find people working in there and then like absorb all their kind of information. Yeah. Um, it, and it's interesting because like there's big agencies who kind of like that where they silo people within particular roles. Whereas I think smaller boutique agencies um, tend to sort of like, love those people with the kind of like generalist kind of skill set. I know like from, from previous experience in, in my old agency where it was quite boutique. Um, I loved meeting kind of interviewing people who, you know, they, they came with kind of like a specialist kind of like, you know, they'd have like a specialism in branding, but they also kind of brought with them that kind of thirst to want to do like animation and kind of a bit of 3d, a bit of exploration. And, and I, and I kind of feel like, you know, it's, it's just another feather to your hat really in terms of like, you know, if, if, if you're bringing that to me, it means that when I do get an animator in, you can work with them together. Um, you may not know all the ins and outs of it, but you're going to learn off them as well. And I think that's what most agencies do where when they get those freelancers in, they want them to sort of coerce with like the people in, inside as well and kind of, you know, share their kind of like mentality and the way they kind of work as well. So, but, but yeah, I kind of think that it all totally depends on kind of like the direction you kind of want to take your career really. Yeah. So, so for someone like yourself, where you weren't sure how, yeah, would you go? How would you do that? How would you get into the industry from there? I think <laughs> for me, sure. I, I kind of like, I think I dipped my toe in it, and I kind of thought that 
like ultimately nothing's forever which is like you know that's that's like you know a, a good mentality to have where it's kind of like you know if you get in if you put your foot into one area it doesn't mean that you can't sidestep and stuff because i know there's quite a lot of account execs and account managers who generally like when you're working with them and you you actually sort of talk about what they want to do in the career they end up saying like i want to be an art director i want to be a, a designer instead and yeah, stuff yeah, and yeah. and i think they, they tend to sort of like sidestep and stuff which i've known a lot of them really who who've done that but i also know a couple of designers who've ended up becoming project managers which to be honest like that's what we do on a on a general basis and stuff like we we manage clients expectations and stuff and and generally i think that's why a lot of people tend to sort of go and work for themselves anyway because you end up building that skill set of everything anyway but i think as a, as a person coming out of uni you know there's there's no harm in sort of testing the water in different areas really and that's i think that's what i did i kind of realized rapidly that you know, there's so much more to the world than editorial design, you know, mm -hmm. that, um, you know, I've got that in my kind of like, you know, in my pack that I can take out whenever I want to. But I know that like illustration, you know, if I really want to push into that, I can do because there's nothing stopping you really. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Definitely. Yeah. And it took me quite a while to realize what I wanted to do as well. I mean, started off knowing that I wanted to do design, which is a great start uh, coming out of college and, and school and then, then I actually did the Shillington. I did uh, Shillington in London, nice. and uh, it was great. It was it was good. Um, and then, yeah. Then after that, I sort of jumped around to come to studios and other jobs and Sainsbury's night shifts, and that's so that was yeah. Fun. Uh, <laughs> but it's it's then, the way you got to roll, though, isn't it? Like you know, it, yeah, yeah. And again, it, it and it kind of like ultimately, you've got to think that like the people that you're working with in Sainsbury's and stuff, you know these people are going to gear you up to working with the public anyway, which is what we all do. And, and I think right. me, me working in Tesco, especially customer service, I've had to deal with some like pretty interesting people, to be honest, like um, yeah. ones that were going to say like, I'm going to bring my brother back and batter you because you didn't sell me alcohol and stuff like that. It's like, nice one. But it kind of teaches like, teaches you to kind of like diffuse situations and deal with different kind of like diverse people and stuff, which is great. And, you know, I think that's that kind of world and stuff. But like you said, with Shillington, I kind of I mean, what I what I mentioned kind of before was kind of like I I had this kind of like bee in my bonnet about like this sort of like this model of like um, getting in doing it coming out you're a designer and stuff yeah. and, and I don't I don't think it's you know I'm not saying that it's right or wrong but I always just thought to myself like I really want to understand this like you know how how does it work and stuff I mean coming from a coming from like a conventional sort of education background of degree and college yeah. and all that kind of stuff and I remember going to. I was in New York and I was asked to talk at the one in New York uh, just by, um, Amazing. where is it? The, the famous sort of train station. Cause I was over visiting vault Grand 49 Central. and yeah, that's it. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. I was over visiting <laughs> vault 49 and stuff. And, um, I popped into Chillington. I asked the teachers there kind of like, you know, I presented to the pupils and then kind of what I do and stuff. And then I asked the, the teachers like, you know, so what is it like, you know, what, how does it work and stuff? And I think they kind of said like, you know, it's not, you're not just, teaching from a curriculum i mean obviously there's a curriculum but you're not just teaching from a curriculum that's a core syllabus you kind of like you're giving them real world scenarios and kind mm -hmm. of teaching them kind of like and it's almost like a like a fast track and stuff where you're kind of like blasting through and and ultimately when you come out at the end um you've got designers art directors copywriters different kind of people that you want to sort of like mold and and i kind of yeah. think to myself like shit did i why did i go to uni for like three and a half years and like i could have done something focused and stuff and and i think it's such a such an interesting vibe because I've interviewed like designers from traditional backgrounds and I've also interviewed designers from Shillington and I've always found that like um, I think people in Shillington tend to be a bit more kind of like current because they're kind of like focusing on trends and what's current at the moment and 
I've always thought to myself, like, what do you think about kind of like all the theory behind design and like the kind of, you know, um, you know, the kind of uh, the theory behind grid systems and all of the kind of elements that you get taught in, in kind of uni, which I, I don't know if they do that in Shillington or not, what, yeah. how deep they go. Um, but yeah. yeah, I mean, uh, it's obviously a lot quicker. Uh, so that, yeah, <laughs> I, I, we got taught all the grid systems and everything in our yeah. course. We got taught the theory behind it more than, because I, I, I almost have the opposite, not that I'm biased, because you know, I've said bad stuff about Shillington in the past and, and good stuff about Shillington and how I approached it in a bad way and how, yeah. So I, I approached it in a sort of like, because I'd, I'd done a bit of design before and I've, uh, whereas I was with people that hadn't done any, I hadn't touched Photoshop before or Illustrator before. So I felt like I sort of knew a bit. And, um, right. and I came in a sort of an arrogant way. And then and then it, like, I quickly saw the classmates get better than me. I was like, shit. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, so I, yeah, I approached it in a slightly wrong way. But uh, people listening would have heard that before. And yeah. um, what was I saying? Yeah, no, it's great. I, I genuinely think it's, I think it's a really, really good course. I think it's, I obviously I didn't go to university, but I, from what I hear and you know, the people that are in my course and where they are now and the jobs they got. And I really do think you, you could do that instead. Um, yeah. Whether that's everyone's yeah. opinion is different. You know, it's, it's up to, it's up to <laughs> well, you. Well, that's but... it. Exactly. Yeah. It's all like a personal choice, isn't it? And yeah. like you say, where there's people who haven't touched computers before and stuff. And, and I think there's like a, there's a beautiful sort of naive charm to that where, um, I've always liked people from different sort of backgrounds because mm. I know that they're going to come, they're going to come at a solution a completely different way. And, I just, I just love that kind of aspect where I've always had this thing with kind of advertising where like, you know, don't sell something the way it should be sold, sell it in a different sort of like, it's almost like lifting it up, changing category, sell it like, you know, selling like a, a loaf of bread, like an Audi car or something like that. And just do something a little bit different and disruptive, I reckon. Yeah. And that's what they're doing. That's what they're doing and disrupting hmm. the, uh, the education, design education. I think it's for, for me, the reason I did that instead of, universities because I felt very stale university model and staying there for three right. years definitely wasn't what I wanted to do I wanted to do something quick I wanted to uh, get up to speed pretty quickly and, and you know learn in design which just was my downfall uh, as a thing I didn't know at all and yeah just learned in th- uh, nine months where or you could do it in three months every day but did it mm. two days a week two nights a week nine months and amazing really amazing course recommend it um, if you've got the money and, and want to invest in yourself uh, whatever age you are because um, I was the youngest on the course and we had a 60 year old woman as well from Japan and uh, she yeah, picked yeah. up like, someone like that is incredible to sit next to yeah and um, I can imagine it's like different perspectives and stuff straight yeah, away yeah. isn't it yeah that's about what I talked about before the podcast we is just speaking to different people and learning from people being open to learn from people as well it's, it's fantastic um, but yeah so I don't know what my point was but yeah I'd recommend Shillington <laughs> uh, if they want to sponsor the podcast and more than welcome to but um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah so what was next what we're saying what we're saying about <laughs> about we're going to come <laughs> on to styles and generalization Just yeah we were talking about like horizontal niching and vertical niching and oh yeah is it kind of like finding your style yeah yeah so uh niching now that's an interesting topic with younger designers as well so everyone like i say everyone feels like they have to go down a route and even in so it's, yeah, so I'm trying, sorry, I'm trying to, in my own head, bring it back to where we were. <laughs> Hope this, <laughs> this is a bad listening now. Um, let's just, let's just, let's just go from, from styles. So cool. uh, do, do you think you need a style? Do you think you need a graphic design style? Uh, like to get, obviously, where you are, you've, you've been, got, an, you've got an agency as well. Um, yeah. For yeah, illustration. Yeah. 
right so i've heard other illustrators as well talk about it's a lot easier to get hired by agents if you have an illustration style if you've got a, a clear direction it's easy to sell i guess um so but do you think you need an illustration style or do you think you need a design style to get up and running and uh get started i suppose with like um with those kind of like your entry point into this kind of into the kind of like illustration world or design world uh, i think design probably less so because there's kind of like you know you're already working with a system anyway that that kind of like you know you've got to apply to a brief etc but what i'm finding recently is kind of like most des- most designers are finding like a an edge which is becoming almost like illustrative anyway which is kind of like a big selling point so instead of someone coming to a designer and saying i need a you know a full brand suite or, or kind of like campaign um what they'll do is they'll kind of like they'll go to designers who have a very particular sort of style and they'll source that almost like an illustrator and stuff but i think we've kind of like been an illustrator i think the, the thing i kind of found kind of difficult was especially in the beginning, I used to have like quite a sort of schizophrenic sort of style. So I'll be doing loads of different things. And, and I think it, it's difficult for clients or even sort of like art directors or designers to kind of think that, you know, how do I apply this to our brief kind of thing? And I think um, when I, I think I had a style before the sort of current style, which was, which is quite minimal, which was very sort of um, kind of like wild and colorful. And I think I kind of tamed the kind of gradient mesh tool in, in kind of Illustrator that I kind of destroyed and battered to kind of do this style. And it was very time consuming as well that I did a lot of it. Um, and what I found is that when you do a lot of kind of like one thing, it becomes very sort of like, especially if you share it on social, um, it, people want to commoditize it and they really want to go like, I want to own this, especially kind of like when you look at brands like Nike and Adidas and stuff, yeah, they, yeah. they're always looking for like what's new, what, what's going to, our brand is always going to be the same, but what application or partnership can you apply to it that's going to make it fresh and new? And I think I had a couple of people kind of come to me and we did the style, but then I kind of got a bit bit miffed because I didn't do the style to commercialize. I did it because it was a bit of a um, kind of an outlet because I was a designer at the time. I used to do that in my spare time and, and kind of like, I kind of washed my hands of it. And I think at the time I did, I think I did kind of stuff for like Time Out New York and other places for it. But then I kind of come to a point where I thought I've done this to death. Um, I can't really see any evolution of it. Um, so I kind of draw a line through it. And then thinking of a line, I kind of came up with this style, which is kind of like very stripped back and very minimal. And I've always been about kind of like kind of ideas and, and kind of like playfulness within the, the kind of like illustration kind of that I create. And I just started like crafting, doing loads of different things. And I think as soon as I did like 20 of illustrations of this kind of like color and line style, it just kind of stuck. And I think from there, I kind of like, I had this, I had this thing where like, um, I wanted to do like a thumbprint. I wanted ownership on it. Kind of like the way, you know, you get like old masters paintings where they kind of sign the bottom part mm, of it. And yeah. I just thought, you know, I'd love to do that. But, um, I mean, it's, it's funny cause I've seen a few people do it recently in design. They've put their time, time like kind of signature. On it. I kind of thought that's fucking cheesy, man. It's like, you know, there's a, there's a better <laughs> way of doing it. And especially yeah. in, in, in today's day. So I kind of thought, you know what, what's unique to me. And I just kind of thought like, what about my thumbprint, man? Like some of, cool, some of a little bit different. Yeah. Like, you know, yeah. have, and it's like my, my DNA as well. And I think it kind of plays back to that whole idea of, you know, you're, you're a designer when you're creating stuff, you know, a part of your soul's in, in there as well. And, and I think that's what kind of, 
um, motivates a lot of people to be very sort of passionate about their work as well. And I think it also means that when you take criticism for it, some people don't like it. And, and you kind of like, obviously there's constructive criticism, but when people are sort of like tearing kind of like pieces out of your design or illustration, it's like chipping away at your soul really, because you've put your heart and soul into it. And, and I kind of thought, as soon as I started doing it, um, I kind of, sh- I shared a few little pieces of it and it wasn't getting any traction. And I kind of thought, you know what, I'm, I'm not doing this to sort of get traction. I'm doing it to sort of, you know, have fun and enjoy myself. You know, I, I do a lot of design in the day and a bit of like creative and illustration work and stuff, but this was more like an outlet for me that I really wanted to sort of like funnel myself into. And, and I think as soon as I, I did loads and loads and loads of it, um, I just kept on getting loads of people saying like, can we have it? I want to, I want to use this for our brand kind of like session or anything like that. And then all of a sudden I had a, my agent, George Grace, who's a brilliant guy. I think he kind of saw that, uh, like you said, you know, having something that is so unique becomes a commodity that mm. straight away brands can go like, I want to use that. And it also means that um, when you get a client that comes to you, they kind of already have an expectation of kind of what they're buying. Um, obviously, you've still got the concepts and the, the kind of roughs that you've got to do. But I think yeah, when you're working yeah, exactly. with, exactly when you're working with briefs and stuff that need to be turned around in like, I don't know, like 48 hours for like Wired Magazine and stuff like that. Um, as long as you know your style, the hardest thing is probably the concept. That's it. Because as, as soon as you kind of like know your concept, you know, you already know, like, I know what style I'm going to apply to this. I'm going to, and it's, it's not really paid by numbers. It's more like, I know the rough composition that I'm going to throw yeah. down my kind of like, like I've got the foundation. I know what I'm going to throw down and, and create and stuff. So I think having your own style definitely does help. Uh, but the problem there is that you kind of, you know, you painted yourself into a corner where, if you don't kind of like iterate and evolve, like evolve it, it mm. becomes fucking boring, man. Honestly, like you know, um, I think I remember. Um, I think someone told me about like I don't know if it was Cy Scott or someone like that. Where I mean, he was he was working on loads of cool illustration work, but this I think seven years later, clients were only seeing his work from back then and expecting right. him to to do that. And it's almost like I think he sort of moved on so much that it was almost like stepping back in time. And I suppose that you've always got to think that clients don't see your, you know, they're not in our world, so they don't see our work every day. Whereas, you know, we're, we're blasting like Dribble, Pinterest, Behance, loads of other kind of like, you know, inspiration sites, Instagram, everything. And we kind of see it on a regular basis that, you know, um, clients don't see that. So they think something four years ago is, is fresh and relevant. Um, but for, as an illustrator working on it, you're like, fuck me, this is, this is old and tired. Like, you know, I want to do something new and stuff. So I, I think it's all about finding that balance between having your style, but also like evolving it as well. Yeah. What, the one illustrator I, I think was really good at this uh, and has a clear direction and clear style, but it's good at evolving it. There's another man here in as well. Another guy from Manchester. Um, there's Dave, Dave Flanagan is just a sports illustrator. Um, and, and yeah, really good. At, it's, it's got this clear, style and yeah it just i don't know how to like it's, that's it it's just really good at evolving it and, and moving on in a couple of directions and work with all the football clubs you can think of and but it doesn't it doesn't ever feel old it, it really feels if it was evolving yeah, yeah. it's great i think he's, great. he's, he's, yeah. def, he's definitely kind of like cornered the market with kind of like that particular style but i think i've, I've got it on instagram as well and yeah, i think every yeah. now and again it kind of like it crops up with a few bits and pieces that he's done but also how he's kind of like evolving it as well and and, and stuff and i think that's the for me, that's always the key and stuff. And I think that's why I'm, I'm in the middle of kind of like 
pumping up my kind of 3D knowledge because I really want to fuse my kind of like flat line work with um, like 3D, 3D elements and stuff. Mm. And, and it's interesting because like when I say that, it sounds that easy, but it's like, I think I always get frustrated because I always like having the idea instead of just going like, oh yeah, give me the tools and I'll just kind of like mash them together and something will happen. Um, because you'll be sat there forever, man, honestly, unless yeah. you've had like 20, 20 beers or something like that. And then you like, you, you're waxing lyrical on your Mac. Um, generally, I, I kind of like, I've always got to sort of step away and like have an idea of or what I've kind of found that works is kind of collaborating with people as well in different mediums. So um, there's a photographer in, um, I think, where is he based? Philadelphia. And he does a lot of sort of like uh, reportage kind of photography. And I kind of thought to myself, like, I really need to sort of like step it up a little, step it up a gear. So I've kind of like, I reached out to him and said, look, you do amazing work. Uh, I do all this line stuff. Is there any way that we can kind of like somehow figure out like a project or something and that? And, yeah, and I think nice. that for me is kind of like keeping it quite vibrant and playful because um, I think working on your own, no one holds you to rights and stuff. So generally, if no one does that, you'll just keep pumping out like similar sort of stuff. Whereas yeah. having someone who's sort of pushing you is, um, you know, it just helps like massively to sort of like put you on a spot and make you a bit uncomfortable as well. I think that's an underrated thing as well for, for younger designers listening is that the, uh, the collaboration between other younger designers. I don't, I don't see that that often. I think uh, if you come out of university, you want to build your portfolio. I think that's a really good, really great thing to start with. You could, you know, if there's people that in your class willing to, or other designers around the world willing to you know, try and build their portfolio as well and come up with personal projects. I think that's, that'd be a really cool thing. Yeah. That's be yeah. push more, push more in the world. But, but, um, it's, but it's an interesting thing when you say portfolio as well, because um, I don't think I've had a portfolio for the past seven years and it's primarily just, be, I mean, I've got, I've got a website that basically says I'm this in Manchester and I've got behind, yeah, yeah. but I kind of, I kind of think that like there's a big shift and where it's almost down to like, um, you just got to document your work basically like um, forgetting kind of like, oh, I've got to spend six months doing my website. So it's got all these moving parts and stuff because you release it. And then what, what happens tomorrow? Like what happens like the day after and stuff like, you know, yeah. people have seen it and moved on. Whereas, you know, I think creating work and then sharing like the process through social and talking about it is, is like so much worthwhile because, you know, it's, it's just giving you a peek in terms of like, you know, um, what kind of work do you do? And, and to be honest, no one's got time to sit there and read synopsis of work and, and stuff and kind of like, you know, huge kind of like banks of kind of like copy to, to read through. Whereas like, you know, it's the, it's the age we're in where, you know, content is king, where it's like, no one's got time to sort of sit there and really want to scroll. They want to flick Your through pictures, and it's something yeah. like, yeah, which to be honest, you know, there's, I still think there's that kind of realm of words and stuff, which I'd never kind of like stop because to be honest, like with, when I ever approach an illustration, I'll always kind of like I'll take the brief and I'll just sort of it's weirdly enough I don't draw anything I kind of like I write headlines and stuff for myself to sort of like play with and then after I've done headlines I'll start playing with thumbnails and stuff like that and and then sort of like work from there so I work in like a really really weird kind of back to front way that's yeah no that's that's a, that's a great uh tip which I completely forgot about that's something that um actually Shinnington taught us as well it's how to deconstruct a brief by you know rewriting it basically and picking out key words and yeah that's that's so important i don't i don't know if we do that enough as young designers and um it just reminded yeah. me of it so thank you that's <laughs> no, cool uh, i swear, i think yeah. it's because we don't we don't have time really do we like um the majority yeah. of the time when you get a brief it's it's kind of like you've got to work so fast that you you generally don't get that time to sort of gestate and kind of like take mm. the problem on and stuff and and i suppose you know 
the difference is working for yourself. You know, you can take as long as you want because, you know, you, you're the only person held to rise. Obviously, you don't want to let the client know that, but like, um, you know, having that kind of time to sort of like, instead of just jumping straight on the computer, you know, you've got that time to go for a walk or, you know, make a brew and just sort of like really figure out like the ideas behind things. Yeah, definitely, definitely. So building out your style, when, when you did it, how did you how did you evolve it? How did you uh, get new inspiration, new new parts into the style? Like, how do you evolve a style of illustration? Well, I think I I kind of started out kind of like with everything's always been based around kind of like popular culture um, because I love like you know growing up with like Pulp Fiction, Superman, and kind of like superheroes and stuff. A lot of my work has sort of like been around that kind of area, and I've always been inspired by it. And I think I always try and sort of like everything sort of always starts off quite flat. And I think that's when I start bringing in kind of broken lines and different kind of elements. That's me sort of trying to add movement to it. And I think what I've tried to do is just try and choose different kind of themes that I can sort of break it out of because I think I, I fell into a trap of like, I use a very sort of discrete palette where um, there was like four or five different colors that I use and that become my kind of, kind of like signature. And again, it just meant that um, I didn't have to think about it really. It was more like I'm thinking about the idea because the colors and whatever, they'll just be in there anyway. Um, kind of kind of plays back to that whole sort of Tesco time where the reason they have uniforms is because, you know, you can be out the door in 10 minutes because the uniform's there, you blast it on, you go. And right. I think with illustration, the colors I've got are already there, so I don't need to think about them. So I'm thinking more about the composition and playing and stuff. But in terms of evolving it, I think... I started off very, I think I don't really, I didn't, I never really liked the kind of first illustrations that I did. I think in this style, it was kind of like, it was very slapdash. And it's one of them where you always know yourself when you've done like a shit illustration and you think, yeah, that's shit, but I'll keep it anyway to remind me. Um, and then ever since I've kind of like refined it. And I think the hardest thing for me was kind of like really refining kind of like body shapes and, and kind of like landscapes and different kind of, kind of themes where that, I think that's the thing that really has sort of tested me where, um, I do, I'm doing briefs at the moment for like the scouts and their diversity factor is like so huge. And I think when you look at my work, when people say like, oh, we need to include loads of different cultures, I very rarely use like color within tones to represent like different kind of cultures. Um, my, and I very rarely use facial features either and stuff like that. So I'm kind of like, when people say, oh yeah, we need diversity across everything. I'm like, shit, what do I do? Like, you know, and I think it comes down to like, body shapes and hairstyles and clothing and all other kind of things. And, and I think working with the scouts has kind of like really evolved like the way I look at things, because uh, I think before that my diversity factor within my work was very sort of minimal and, and kind of like, you know, if I'm doing a person, I, I may just jump straight towards doing a man and stuff when really it's like, you know, this, you know, everything needs to open up and kind of like be a lot more accessible. So whenever I'm kind of approaching a brief now, I think, I've evolved my process to sort of always think to myself, like how accessible is this illustration and, and kind of like, you know, I've got the right kind of people in here as well and stuff. And, um, and it's strange because when you first start out creating your style, you never kind of think to yourself like, shit, have I got, have I got a right amount of women versus men? And like, is that, do we need animals in here and all of that kind of stuff? And it's kind of like, it's, it's been a, a bit of an interesting process. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, that's amazing. You're working with the scouts as well. That's such a cool project. Yeah, it's honestly, it's ace, like, because they, and it's weird because they, they had to supply me with kind of like um, this kind of breakdown of all different ages uh, yeah, of yeah. what they do and the different kind of types of kind of scouts as well. And, and it's did so weird. Because, did you do the, like, the scouts and the beavers and the cubs and that sort of stuff? Did you do Yeah, like advent, adventure. Oh, no, I didn't do it, to be honest. Like, uh -huh. I, um, I think I, I'm a bit gutted, though, because I, I think I grew up like um, 
playing football and going on my BMX bike and all that kind of stuff. So I think with my son, definitely I'm going to funnel in that route because like nice. working on this kind of stuff, it's kind of, you really learn about it as well. And I think being, being kind of like an illustrator for all these great brands like Wired and the Atlantic and all that kind of stuff, generally I get sent all this kind of content first. So I'm, I'm reading all these articles about like new technology for, you know, electric cars in China and all this other kind of stuff before it's even out. And yeah. I get to, I get to illustrate it as well and stuff. And it's like, I think scouts in particular, they're a, they're an interesting client because, um, I've been working on their kind of learning materials recently. And it's like, whenever you do an illustration, you, you have to have this checklist of like, there's like 10 or 12 different things you've got to make sure in these scenes and stuff. And it's always quite challenging because um, a lot of my stuff is very minimal. So when you start applying all these rules to like a minimal aesthetic, it's instantly starts making it too busy. Whereas like, I love kind of like stripping things away and stuff. And, yeah. and I think that kind of reminds me of when, I've had a lot of kind of like um, colleges get in touch recently where they've like, it's really interesting because their, their art teachers have been setting their students kind of like tests on my work saying like, here's this style, go and craft. And it's that interesting because wow. I get loads of, I get, honestly, it's great because like, I, yeah. I love it because I'm thinking, shit, shit, I'm not as good as these guys. Like, you know, they're doing some really interesting stuff and it keeps me on my game. And I think one of the, one of the hard things, I, I always try and find a teacher and I always say like, look, if you're, it's not a gripe. It's more like if you're setting this brief, give me a shout because I'd love to have a chat with your students and sort of mm -hmm. tell them the reason why I do certain things because I think they're seeing it as an aesthetic. Whereas the whole idea behind my work is um, I always start off with like a full illustration. I kind of strip it back and strip it back and strip it back to a point where the, the core idea is the, the loosest thing within that kind of illustration. So, um, and generally I think they just saw it as an aesthetic, but I think for me it was more like there's this, kind of method in the madness sort of thing yeah, yeah, yeah. and um yeah but honestly like it's I, i'm so humble when i get like you know students kind of sending me the work and i'm thinking like i gotta up my game and stuff and i go and show my <laughs> wife and i'm just like this person's doing fucking awesome work man Not, what am i doing like you know i need to i need to up my game so he's like he's, he's dead humbling yeah it's really cool that's really cool that you, you know make it into that into the students into the schools and colleges and, and universities that's great it's really cool i remember yeah. learning about uh, learning about people like that and yeah you learn about these great creatives and if you if you could ever become one i think that's a great goal and a great thing to have and it sounds like you're doing it yeah. so fantastic well it's, it, it kind of plays into that realm of like i suppose in university a lot of people kind of put designers on pedestals and stuff and i think yeah. um you, you've had like polish polish on the show before haven't you and yeah, i think yeah. um i remember I was always a big fan of like Michael Beirut and mm. kind of Sagmeister and stuff. And I remember part of my kind of like personal progression, probably I'd say six years ago, I felt like I was kind of like stumbling where I wasn't progressing um, because I kind of met every, met tons of people in Manchester and it's quite a close knit community. Um, I kind of thought, shit, I need to broaden my horizon. So I, uh, I bought, I bought tickets to Dublin to uh, offset. And basically, because like Michael Berry was speaking, Sagmeister was speaking, Paul Show was there, I was like, shit, man, these are amazing. Um, and basically went on my own. And it was great because it took me out of my kind of comfort zone. I met tons of cool designers from across the world and stuff. And and it was like, it was scary, but fun at the same time. And then I remember yeah. um, going out in Temple Bar and I got completely hammered and Sagmeister was <laughs> in the bar as well. And, and it's like, you know what? When I think I said something, I was like, I was half kind of like nervous, but half kind of like, oh, you know, I want to talk to him. And I think I remember like poking him or something. And uh, we, we had a, like a, a quick little chat. And then ultimately after that, I kind of thought that, you know, 
these people are the same as us, you know, they have the same problems, um, but they just, they've got this, like, you know, the same drive and passion that we all kind of have inside of us. It's just mm-hmm. that these people are on a circuit, they're talking about it, and they're out there. And, and I think sometimes, you know, people probably put them on a pedestal too much when it's really like, you know, it's someone to aspire to, but you don't have to be them. Like specifically, they just sort of give you a guiding set of principles that, yeah. you know, be strong, be confident in your work and enjoy it. And then you can spread the word about it and stuff. But that was a, it was an interesting sort of journey, definitely. That's the, the last couple of things you just said that are really important. Uh, you know, be, com- be strong, be confident in your work and, and spread it to people. That's a really important message. Uh, yeah, that's yeah. Good. It's a great, great, great guy to, to look up. So yeah. like, like you say, um, but yeah, people, we do tend to people uh, put people on pedestals too much. Um, I think that's with everything though, footballers and mm. celebrities. And I think that's just the culture of, of humans. Yeah. Um, well, it's kind of like, it's emulation, isn't it? Really like through university. Uh, I mean, everything, that's what I suppose that's why everything kind of feels like postmodernism and everything's cyclical as well, where, you know, this style would go out of, out of, the feels and then it'll come back round yeah, in two yeah. years and you know it'll feel fresh because it's not been seen for a while and and I think you know in illustration you always get you know a lot of people say like oh, I'm using that kind of reference so I'm doing this and, and I think the, the the worst thing a client could say is like we love this style do you do this and <laughs> and I think I mean I've had it recently where I sent my work over to a client and they sent someone else's work back and said like can you do this and I'm like no like you know and, it, and it's such a it's a it's a horrible conversation to have to be honest when you're just like because you know you're turning down money which you know as a as a sort of like you know self-employed kind of person it's it's you know you need to be earning that money to pay the bills and stuff and and i think luckily i'm in a position where um I, I can do that which is great i've got a great set of clients who sort of like they support me for my work and stuff and it just means that when i do get these kind of clients that you know, do you want to sort me to sort of divert into something that I'm not really comfortable with? I can say no, which is great. Um, but I know that it's not very sort of, you know, a lot of people can't do that and they, they do sort of take on a few things and stuff, which yeah, it, yeah. I suppose it's part and parcel of being in the, the creative industry, isn't it? You've got to be malleable. Yeah, there is a lot of people eliminating other people's work as well because they don't want to turn down a job and, uh, yeah, like you say, don't want to turn down the money or, you know, yeah, so... Yeah. It's, it's a tricky part of our industry because people want to survive <laughs> yeah and i suppose it's like if it just means that you i suppose you ask yourself have they been to that illustrator or that designer before you yeah. and they, they've come back as thousands on the cost and then expecting you to sort of like emulate it which you know is a is a bit shit because like you know i'd rather that person did it um because like that's their style Absolutely. and you know yeah. taking that person's style it's like you know it's, it just feels a bit sacrilege and unfair, yeah. even though everything's kind of postmodernism and stuff. Yeah. Well, you keep saying postmodernism, and I'm, I'll be honest, I don't really know what that means. <laughs> so, what does I think it mean? In terms of like post, I, I would say it again, is uh, and it's <laughs> because yeah. I, I, I had this horrible thing in my last agency where I, before every sentence I used to say the word weird, and I think whenever <laughs> I used to say it in front of clients, I'd always know, like I think I was in a meeting with Manchester Uni and um we were like presenting like this new sort of brand brief and i said the word weird and it instantly draws people's attention in and they're just like uh, god what's he gonna what's, what's he gonna say next like uh you're setting the setting the kind of like the tone for your conversation and then i think at christmas time the the designers got me a, a present which basically said the word weird and i nice. never said it i never said it after it i was like so self-conscious about it i was like never say it again never <laughs> um but yeah with like with pm 
I kind of feel like uh, <laughs> Boris, I kind of think Boris is out here. PM. Exactly. Uh, I, I, I kind of I kind of feel that like um, you know it's it's kind of like everything kind of goes full circle and everything kind of emulates um, and it's almost like something is always built on top of something else and I think it's so difficult now to find something so new and fresh because because of the way the internet is where you see everything you regurgitate everything something is always you know you've, you've got this illustration style but it's been evolved into this and i think everything's always got a basis uh, mm. of it and i think it's it is quite difficult to find something nowadays that is very unique um because it, it has been sort of like posterized across kind of everywhere um that it's just becoming you know it's almost like you need to you need to take a hiatus from everything and kind yeah. of like do what you got to do because i remember I, whenever I used to come up with ideas, I'd always sit down for 20 minutes, scribble out ideas, and basically that, that'd be everything that you've seen for the past day or two, regurgitate it, pushed out, and then after that it's going to be fresh ideas and that you're not pulling on, because you're not pulling on kind of like memories of that design or this illustration or that kind of concept and stuff like mm. that. So I think it's always kind of like try and sort of disrupt your way of thinking and sort of focus on kind of like fresh ideas that's a really that's a good way of doing it i hadn't yeah i, I don't think didn't think about that so as well giving yourself oh. giving yourself a bit of time to, to pr- get get all the people that, get the ideas that have been done out uh, on paper so you can say you've done it and, and leave it alone that'd be that's a good way of sort of even establishing a style or trying to find a new thing that you haven't seen before and yeah. being, getting away from in I talked about this recently on the podcast as well, getting away from um it um uh shit Instagram and uh t- mm. and design websites like this. Like it, I think we see too much design. I think like it's yeah. called a share in that. They weren't they weren't really looking at Instagram all the time. Well, they weren't looking at Instagram all the time or they weren't looking at these design websites all the time. They were looking at design, they you know, they go to meetings, see it in books and things, but getting influenced in a different way. And um, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I don't know how healthy it is to look at sun this much. <laughs> yeah, well, I suppose it's kind of like dribble, isn't it? Where I think dribble originally started out as kind of like this kind of tool that you can show work in progress and you get kind of feedback. And mm. and I think the way that their products changed recently, where you could you can sort of like you know you buy add-ons and all other kind of stuff to sort of promote your work, and it's kind of like took a, a shift and pivoted to more of kind of like yeah. a come and check me out. You can post projects here because they realize that people are going directly to the talent and stuff instead of actually going through there. And, and I think what I realized is, I mean, I, I totally know this as well with social. And everything. I kind of pump everything out there and that's become my kind of like new business strategy where I just keep creating cool stuff and just chuck it out there. People see it and then they want to be part of it. And that way I get to work on projects I've done that, that I enjoy. But what I realize is um, as soon as models realize that and they kind of change it, your revenue model disappears because people are just going into this list and just cherry picking like, right, we want these six, these six illustrators to quote on this one project. We're going to choose the cheapest one and they're going to do it. And it's kind of like, that's all right. But like, if I'm coming in as the cheapest one, I may not want your project because it might not be fun. It might just be shit. And I kind of like, I love working on projects. I think I had the same conversation with my wife uh, the other night about like, ever since kind of like doing my kind of illustration style I've never had a project where I've kind of felt like you're sort of like dragging your heels like god this feels too much like work and Mm. stuff and and I think um, I'm getting a custom bike built at the moment and I think the the bike company was saying like why don't you get your style like placed on this and I was just like 
shit, I feel, I don't know how I'd feel like, like cycling with my own thing. Like at the moment, I, <laughs> I don't have any work on the walls of my own stuff because I'm, I don't know, I just feel a little bit too self-conscious, but uh, I've only got one thing for League of Legends behind me. And um, that was just, that's just because like, it's a fun one because it pokes fun at me because uh, when that project came in, I had no idea who Riot Games or League of Legends were. And I've got a couple of mates who are gamers and stuff. And um, I think they used to talk about like LOL and that. And I just kind of like drift off and just be like thinking, oh, whatever, you know. And then um, when I think the project came in. I, I, I did this classic thing of leaving it for like three or four days. And then when I mentioned it to someone, they were like, dude, you know, do you know who these guys are? And I was like, no. And then when I looked into it, I was like, fucking hell man they're amazing and like um <laughs> yeah. after reading into them and i was just like shit man this is ace and i quickly kind of like apologized to the art director for being a tit and just going like sorry man i didn't i didn't get back to you and stuff like that and then they were like such a fantastic bunch to work with and basically just gave me carte blanche to do what i want to do which is great um and just like crafted characters and had fun and used my style and i think that that plays back to that whole thing about like um carving your style meant that they already kind of they could see their characters within my kind of work but yeah. um i'd still have to craft it and kind of make it and turn it into kind of like what i would want it to be so you're never given like i just want your style for this it's more like let's work together and fuse something so they were a really cool bunch to work with man yeah that's great that's, that sounds like a really good project as well with, with creating your style and yeah a personal thing like that how how do you get yourself into it? Like you, you said about thumbprint and, and you know, doing cool ideas like that. But how do you get your, your personality and your yeah your per, your soul into your illustration style? I think it's kind of like like you said before. You're into you're into football and it, and, yeah. and you know that whole sort of well. So again, like when you're, I can imagine if someone said to you like you know pick a passion project. You're going to have two hours um a day to work on this within like the agency uh guaranteed where would you go you'd like i can imagine Definitely you'd probably football. go to like yeah that's it exactly and i think <laughs> yeah. for me um probably not football but like um i love sneakers man like uh, mm. i love i love trainers and um, the boxes behind you yeah nike, nike and Adidas. yeah and i've got like a little one from i'm just getting my son in into it as well i bought him a <laughs> pair of like miniature miniature night cortez and uh he loves it man but um yeah i kind of like I think fusing a, like a passion within to like a theme is a good way to sort of like, cause you're never going to get bored of it. Like you're, you're going to keep sort of like finding different ways to evolve it and show it. Yeah, and yeah. I think with sneakers, I've done loads of like animations. I've, I've done small bits and pieces. And then I think I had a publishers get in touch and say, we want to do a dot to dot book with you. And I was like, fucking yes, you know, let me on that. <laughs> and, and it was like, it was a bit of a labor of love because like, I think the, the payoff from it was quite minimal, but the fun of it was fucking amazing because like, um, I'd be thinking about the scenarios these trainers are in and what, you know, what colors are going to be. How, and I think if you've ever like, when, if you ever have to do like a dot to dot book, man, they take ages, honestly, because like you've got the illustration that will take ages anyway, but then plotting like where you want these lines to be and making it not look shit as well is like, is such a challenge, man, because um, it's like with my work, because I have used broken lines and stuff, it, or, it already kind of like looks loose. So mm. having numbers and shit on there is like, it's just a minefield, man. But um, <laughs> yeah, doing that kind of stuff. And then I got to do stuff like Nike and a few other places. And, and that way you kind of, you kind of think to yourself like who your dream client is do some stuff in that world and then you know 
there's nothing stopping you from like, you know, I know you shouldn't cold call and stuff, but tracking someone down and sending you your work and stuff. And then they go like, that's awesome, man. Let's do it. Cause the worst thing they can say is no. And mm, you just yeah. keep like, just keep plugging away and stuff. And I mean, that's how I got some work for time out of New York because I basically, I found the art director on LinkedIn. I sent her a note going, love your magazine. Let me do something. Showed her my work. And she was like, cool. Yeah, you can do it. You can jump on this brief if you want. And Amazing. I was like, Oh shit they want me to do it <laughs> and that's when like you've got to get yourself in the gear and actually do it and then you realize that they're a weekly and they need four concepts by like tomorrow and you you're working full-time in an agency and you're like no <laughs> but 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 you do it because it's all about Smash a couple of red bulls and you're into it yeah <laughs> exactly but it, it, it plays back to that whole thing about like we were saying about heart and soul into your work and mm. and kind of like how you know for, for the past you know since this style has started um i've never done anything i didn't want to do and i think what comes with that as well is you're almost like you know when you get brand guardians who are sort of like the keepers of the brand and if it starts right. disrupting you know it start the brand starts breaking apart with illustration it's kind of similar where you almost become like a guardian of your sort of style so as soon as you start like if someone comes to you and goes like which i think i've had recently i've had like 10 different people say can i use your work on our t-shirts want to sell them in beijing and blah blah, blah everywhere else and i'm just like no because i know money will come in but I, i'll lose control of like what's mine and and i think mm. even even working for some of the clients i've got i still feel a little bit kind of like i'm i'm losing my grip on something that was very personal to me and it's kind of like, I, and, th- and I think this is why, like, I, I never, I very rarely see it like work. I always see it as like a passion and it's the only thing that keeps me from seeing like my, my wife and my son. And, um, I'm still, I'm still excited about doing it as well, you know, and being, you know, I'm not afraid to say, you know, being 36 and stuff and still having that passion and the drive to, to really want to push it is, um, I'm excited. Yeah, and it comes across in the way you speak as well. Like you, you come across as a really passionate and energetic guy, especially when talking about Cheers. illustration. It's, it's great. I love it. That's really really Cheers, good. I, I, I never want to lose that. I never want to. Yeah, I think it's a sad day when you lose that energy. <laughs> it is, yeah. And, and weirdly enough, I've I've known designers in the past who've sort of like, I think because they haven't kind of evolved, they've kind of sort of stayed where they are. They kind of like they don't really they kind of saw it as a bit of a job and it's like, it's an income and stuff. And I think they've kind of lost their way. And I, I've only ever had that feeling once in my entire life. And I think it was, um, I won the roses grand prix in, in gold years ago, like when I was like a junior designer. And I think I was worried after that thinking like, am I always going to have this horrible feeling of like, what's next? Like when you work for a great client, what's next and stuff. And I remember I kind of like had a really kind of like, I had a heart to heart, my wife and, kind of like said I've got anxiety I'm stressed because I've just nailed like loads of cool briefs I've won these awards I've been in creative review magazine and all other kind of stuff and you kind of get to a point where you kind of feel like shit you know what's what's next and and I think after after speaking to her I kind of felt that you kind of above all that is more like a personal nature where you, you kind of realize that it's, it's personal progression and stuff that you you sort of drive for and I think you know, hinging on that with like going back to what we were talking about evolution of your style. Um, my wife bought me a tattoo gun um, a year nice. ago. So I'm going to carve out the time because like, like, you know, you can see I've, I love yeah. like line work, okay. line work. And the nice thing is, is that that ties into my style. So I think next on my list is to sort of like start tattooing and kind of like, you know, mm-hmm. take my work into a real world and, you know, work on like 
you know canvases that are moving and shifting and stuff so that's my next challenge i think like have some fun with that very nice so this is something that i've got at the moment is i'm always thinking about the next thing is that a young person thing um i don't think it is you know i think like um i think your priorities change as you get older in terms of like what you think about but i think um I think when, when you do, when people do come out of university or, or kind of like a learning environment, um, it's, it, I think it's instantly kind of like, what's next? Like, what am I going to keep going for? And then as soon as you start building those milestones of kind of a career and you start knocking them down like dominoes, I think your, your, it changes from being career priorities to more of a personal priority kind of thing. So it's almost like the coin sort of shifted and like, you know, when you become creative director, um where do you go after that like you know do you buy the business and then i think instantly it goes from being a, like like a career business through to a a personal sort of like evolution and i think it kind of goes back to i think i was interviewing like a junior designer um to sort of join an join the agency and um they weren't bothered about pay and stuff they were just like i want to be in there i really want to work and stuff and and i think for me i was like i was really pissed off because i mean first of all <laughs> on, on this on the cv they had all these kind of like charts and stuff of like you oh, know no. the 90 percent of this but do you oh. know what i i generally don't have a gripe with that and stuff it's more really? like you know well i tend to i mean i don't really look at it i, I kind of like you know <laughs> i just read the sort of synopsis and i'm just like whatever with that but i'm more like you know if they had stuff on there saying like 150 percent great at team making um other stuff i'd just be like you know what right get this get this guy in because personality ultimately it's a foot in the door isn't it it's like you know what like you know you are 60 percent. oh no um i think one person had like um 60 photoshop 60 percent illustrator and then word was like 90 percent or something and i'm just like thought me man this guy can do some seriously good spreadsheets man let's get him in and have a chat with him and stuff and and i think ultimately it's kind of like you know i know he's a gripe and stuff but I kind of personally see like uh, when people join like agencies or kind of like, you know, want an opportunity and stuff, you've always got to do something a bit, a bit obscure, a bit different, but I've always been kind of like this person where I see these CV as like a bit of a proposition. You know, I see like, you know, if I read the top line, there's something about you. Um, I'll get you in. I'll have a chat with you. I don't care where you've come from. You could, I think there was one guy who came in who was working in signage, who really wanted to go from a signage company to working in a full service agency, working with like really interesting fun clients like Ministry of Sound, a few other places. And I, I never discount those kind of people because I kind of feel that like, you know, if you, if you show me your work and you can take a brief from A to Z, which is great, that's cool. You can do the fundamentals. But if you can show me work outside of what you do, that's got some edge. It's like a bit interesting. It's a bit different. Then I know you can take a brief and I know you can deliver, but I know that you've got great ideas as well. And I think that's why, you know, no matter what kind of walk of life that you come from, I think there's always, if you can show a creative edge, then, you know, there's always going to be opportunity that you can, you know, yeah. you can get in anywhere really. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, what's it, what does creative edge look like to you? Someone that's experienced in industry. How, what does that look like? What is what? Sorry. What does creative edge? What, what does that look like to you? Creative edge. I think it's kind of like, you know, someone taking a, 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 a random generic brief and basically doing something a bit extraordinary of it. Kind of like, um, I think, you know, having like a, like a virgin brief where, you know, it's got to be a little bit kind of, it has to like, it, I think I remember working on one that was in like the banking industry. And again, you know, you, you kind of like your audience is very, you know, it's banking. It can't be super scary, but it's got to have an edge to it. And I think, you know, if, if someone's got like this kind of way that they can take a brief, that's quite standard and just like, 
go beyond the normal, then, you know, I think that's sort of having that kind of edge where, you know, everyone can do 101, where you look around, you get a Pinterest board, you pick out the nice things that people do. And then they yeah. go like, I've taken these and I've created a new idea, but they're based on all these. And it's kind of like, I understand that because I think clients do need a bit of kind of like, you know, a bit of handholding in terms of like, here's a generic, here's a general idea, gist of where we want to go to. But, you know, that's great. But if you can take that and then sort of like form a strategy and just break beyond kind of like, you know, some of the stuff that you've got and add something fresh and new, I think that's where the edge comes in. Um, and again, it's like, if, if you're trying to teach that, I think it'd be super difficult, man, because like, you know, telling someone to go like, here's this, like do something different. And it's kind of like, I think the way I kind of describe it is almost like, um, instead of setting a brief to a remote control designer to go design me a remote, why don't I go to a ceramicist and go, here's this remote. Can you design, can you design me one? And then I think, you know, what they come back with, probably won't be oblong and kind of shaded in gray with like loads of buttons on it. It'll be yeah. something like quirky, but organic and different and stuff. And I think, I think that's why I kind of love like getting different perspectives on projects and stuff. And I think that, that kind of creative edge of just sort of lifting the landscape and getting someone's different perspective, kind of like just changes the fo- focus on what you really want to achieve. Yeah, 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 definitely. Definitely. Uh, it's, I'm going to try to think about it from, a definition point of view which maybe is the wrong way to think about it because it's, it's literally the opposite of that <laughs> um, just sort of getting out of the box and just yeah yeah i suppose it's, it's like it, think about. if you had to define it kind of like like you just said you know if you if you get a book it's kind of like reading it backwards kind of right. thing instead of right. like starting at the front almost and just kind of reading like between the know, lines and, and yeah so picking out so if you get a brief this is maybe a bit more practical so if you get a brief like picking out the keywords and deconstructing it and, and really trying to f- focus in on, on different parts. It, it typically wouldn't be answered maybe norm- in a normal yeah. way. I don't know. Yeah. And I, I, <laughs> I think, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> well, no, if, if I had to like, I think for me, like to sort of like disrupt my sort of, to get that creative edge, basically yeah. what I do is generally I'll get a brief and it's probably like a month long when I've got to sort of show something. What I'll do is I'll, I'll tend to leave it till, two days if not a day before the end until i actually pick it up and then what i find is like that adrenaline of like oh i've got to do it people do that yeah it honestly it, it totally unlocks like everything in you it makes you scared it makes you kind of like jump out your skin the mm. adrenaline's rocking and and you're like you know you're scrapping around and i've kind of realized having a kid now that doesn't work because like <laughs> try, try to focus that energy into that kind of fine space you know you're going to explode man like um so what i, I kind of pepper it through the weeks now to make it less like intense at the end but there's nothing like that kind of thrill of the chase and stuff and i think that kind of plays into the whole reason why people do pitches and all that kind of stuff because yeah. it's kind of the unknown isn't it like you know um you, you're pitching against other people and you don't know what they're going to bring to the table and stuff and and it kind of like gets you excited and scared at the same time that you know you, you you're being tested really definitely definitely well, one, one more thing before i go on to the last couple of questions uh and want to talk about sort of style thing is uh marketing it and we talked touched, touched a little bit about it but how, how do you market a style how do you get out there how do you get it seen by people and how much of an eight how much of that is getting an agent i suppose it's even before the agent like you've, you've got to sort of start figuring out how people are going to use your work and i think what i've noticed recently is that a lot of illustrators are sort of getting kind of like um 
elements like Hessian bags and all other kind of elements that you sort of like brand up just to sort of show an application. Because I think kind of like if if a brand can can sort of envision kind of how they'd see your your work appearing on their materials, it, it means that you know their marketing their marketing department has that kind of like ammo to go to like the FD and say, look, we need to spend money on this thing to get them in there. And to get to that point, you've got to, as an illustrator, you've got to flood the networks and channels with all your work. Even if it's shit, it's a talking point and stuff like that. And, you know, people will hack it down. And what I've kind of realized with my work is like, um, not everyone likes it. Like, you know, there's, there's people who will pick it apart. I've had loads of comments saying my work shit and stuff like that from people. But on the flip side of it, I've had people like praising it, saying it's really cool work and they'd like to work with me and stuff. So, you know, it's, it's, you know, it's not all kind of like, you know, you don't have this rose tinted kind of glass on thinking everything's going to be amazing in the beginning. But I think showing a commercial edge to your work really sort of helps like designers and art directors sort of understand that, if they've got a brief, they know that they can apply your work to it and you're not just going to go off and do whatever you want with it because, yeah, you know, yeah. they're, spend, they're spending money on, you know, your idea that's going to help their so like, more of a design. Tang- gives them more of a tangible thing. gives them something yeah, to go on. Yeah, right. exactly, exactly. Yeah, that's it because, like, you know, if, you know, if someone sort of doesn't understand how it's going to work, it's really hard to put a price on it as well. Mm. Um, and I think that's, that's like quite a contentious point at the moment as well, where I'm realizing that quite a lot of, um, I say designers, pro- I mean, probably less designers, more clients that are coming straight from marketeers from, from brands don't really understand how to price like illustration work and, and kind of like animation work because I think with illustration work, they don't understand the whole sort of usage rights and licensing and all that kind of stuff, which is a massive conversation for some some other time. Yeah. Um, I want to but, have that conversation with someone on the podcast. So if you're up for it at some point, <laughs> <laughs> I will do. I mean, it's to be honest, like when the way I kind of, I mean, as a, as a one hundred and one, like top level, when I sort of deal with licensing, um, I tend to sort of funnel them to my agent, which is great because, like honestly like the the agent is king with that like they understand it they 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 deal with it a regular basis and stuff whereas like i just want to sort of i do deal with a few clients and stuff on like finance things and that but ultimately i just want to i want to do some fun stuff and play and play but but i kind of feel that when it comes to licensing for me you've got to weigh up loads of different things with like you know a do you like the client or weigh up how much you like the client b how fun is the project that you want to work on and that way you can sort of like the, the scales always change because you can always add part of the price of the license through to the, the fee of the projects and stuff just to allow them. And then sometimes if it's like, you know, if it's a charity project or something like that, I'll just waive the license fee and stuff. So I think it's, it's one of those where you, you never want to like disrupt the industry pricing model because the, you know, it's hard graft and stuff where, you know, people are earning livings off this. So I don't want them to come to me and then think that, you know, I'm lowering the scale for everyone else. So it's a, I'd, all I'd say is like, when you do, when, if you do a, do a talk on this, I'd probably get like four different perspectives of different illustrators mm. because each one of them will probably tell you a different thing completely. Yeah. That's yeah. We'll do that. We'll get a round table of licensing. That actually, we actually could set that up for episode 200. So maybe we'll do that. But um, yeah, I'm just trying to think. Yeah, actually I know a few people. Anyway, so uh, <laughs> yeah, definitely, definitely good, good stuff. But um, would you would your agent be interested in doing a podcast about, about that stuff? I think so. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I don't see why not. Yeah, he's uh, yeah, he'd be well up for that. I mean, I can I can drop him a note or drop you his details anyway and have a chat. Yeah, it'd be great. We can um, see if we can make I, it happen. I, yeah, and I reckon um, 
yeah because even then just getting like a different sort of perspective of like agent illustrator maybe even like a marketeer or something who's actually dealt with illustrators in the past or something just to mm. sort of get different sort of sides of the sides of the focus on that yeah that'd be, ace. That'd be good yeah be great mm. um so okay then to the last this is i think this has been a really good conversation about style and just exploring it and i think we've got much more to discuss in another <laughs> podcast but uh I think I, th- I think we just scratch the surface of you. It's like it's clear that when, when we chat, when I chat to someone like yourself who's so uh, so involved in what they do and, and loves what they do and got so much background and experience in creativity and, and the design industry, I think it's you could you could have talked with them for ten episodes and do a whole series with just you and, and still only scratch the surface. So it's great, and I love I love yeah. these conversations. So so thank you very much for being on the podcast. First of all, and then we'll get into the, the big questions. Um, right. Yeah, what what is what is your best purchase under a hundred pounds? <laughs> See, I, I've I've been thinking about this, like, um, and You're it's the difficult first person, because by the way, I sent the that, that question too before. I haven't, I haven't really? done that before. Uh, yeah. Okay, well, to, to be honest, it, it's a difficult one because, like, you know yourself, like anything in the creative industry that you want to mm. buy is probably normally always expensive and stuff yeah. like whether it's hardware or kind of like tech and all that kind of stuff. Um, and then I was racking my brain and I kind of thought to myself that. Whenever I kind of like, I've got, I've got this one thing that kind of like, whenever I get, get like a really difficult brief and stuff, um, I always have this kind of, um, this go-to that like stops me thinking about like what I should be thinking about and breaks me out of it. And it's, uh, it's a small little book by Calvin and Hobbes, um, which is, it's amazing. It was like, it was a, a 40p thrift shop kind of purchase. But what I love about, have you heard of Calvin and Hobbes before? Uh, I think I've heard of him, but I don't know. Yeah. Well, well, it's all about this kind of like this, this young lad who's got this teddy bear, who's a tiger. And in his world, this tiger comes to life and it, it kind of spouts all these kind of fantastical journeys and stuff. And whenever I kind of like get myself kind of like frustrated and stuff, I always jump into it just anywhere. And they're all short stories. And basically just like, it just stops you thinking about like real life and lets you sort of like get a bit more fantasy and stuff. And I think I've always been like the optimist and stuff. So I think, I haven't really like in terms of hundred quid, hundred quid and stuff like that. Everything's more expensive, man. So I think that's like the most manageable purchase that I've got. And that's great. I tell you what, it's like it's it's worth every penny, definitely. So is it a series of illustrations or, yeah. or book series? Yeah, yeah. He's he's kind of like a, I think it started off as like a like a cartoon sheet in a paper, okay. and then it's just evolved. And um, I've got a few books of his like downstairs and stuff. And I just love the sort of naivety that it brings yeah. and stuff. And the kind of like at one moment he's in school, and uh, all of a sudden. Um, I think he lifts his kind of like, you know, those old wooden desks where you get a little flap and yeah, you can pop yeah. up. All of a sudden he lifts it up and there's like, there's aliens everywhere and stuff. <laughs> and like, he's in this world wearing his visor with this like ray gun and stuff. And yeah. it kind of like, it just shows that you don't have to be too serious and stuff. Like, uh, I think within our industry, there's like, there's so many people who are like super serious. And I remember um, I went for an interview at Weedon and Kennedy years ago. And um, I think when I was sat there, I was like sweating like mad thinking like, shit am I gonna fit in here like you know this is like super pinnacle like agency that got great clients and all that kind of stuff and um I remember there was like a walkway where there was like people coming out of it and they all were like dressed in like white shirt black pants super shiny shoes and like really thick thick glasses and stuff and I was just like honestly they were coming out like a conveyor belt and I kind of thought to myself that ever since then I never really want to work for a big agency like a huge one because um i never want to be like a small cog in a big machine mm. whereas like um i remember turning down like interviews at tbwa and a few other places and i generally just wanted to work for like a boutique agency that 
you know, I could get my hands on everything and, and have some fun and stuff. And, and I think that's, that's where nice. the kind of like, yeah, that's, that's it. And I, and I think ever since then, kind of like in every job and stuff, I always bring that kind of sense of optimism and, you know, I'm, I'm all, I'm never the kind of like, I hate being pessimistic about anything because it just pisses me off. I ain't got time for that. And yeah. I just want to get on I'm, with I'm things. Definitely yeah. on that page. I'm on that page. You don't need to be, yeah. don't need to be pessimistic about anything. We're good. That's We're it. Good. Exactly. So. And it's like, now, now more than ever, really, it's like, you know, it's, it's really prevalent, isn't it? Where it's, it'd be so easy to sort of like hermit, get into yeah. like, you know, stop doing work, stop talking to people and stuff. And like now more than ever, like, I think this, this, this book is great because it shows that, you know, anything's possible kind of thing. Ah, that's very nice. Very nice. Um, no do you have any life advice? Yeah, I actually wrote this down. I kind of like, um, I've had this thing kind of like with me all this time where, at the start of my career, everything was design, everything was illustration. And my wife can say to you that she shares me with like design and illustration. And <laughs> she, you know, and I mean, not through her choice, basically, it was like, um, I'd spend every day and every waking hour doing and crafting and working. And then I think ever since my son's kind of come, I've realized that um, I've been forgetting to sort of live, live it. And I think that's my kind of life advice of like, um, it goes back to talking about people needing to get that money for, you know, do be like worried about how much you're going to get paid at an agency because when you do go and work, I want you to be like, as a designer, I wanted them to go on holidays and enjoy life because everything they kind of explore and enjoy will come back into the work as well. And, and I think that's why, you know, I think experiences are the kind of thing that you can't buy. Whereas like, you know, the more money you kind of get, you know, yeah, you can get nice trainers, t-shirts and hardware and books and all that kind of stuff. But I kind of think that, you know, having an experience that really shapes and changes you is the kind of thing that you're going to funnel into your work that's going to make that work completely unique and stuff. And, and that's your yeah, create yeah. that, you know, that can play back to your creative edge and stuff where, you know, taking someone from like a war-torn country and, you know, having, you know, having them work with you, having their perspective on things changes, you know, the way you're going to approach things and stuff. So I kind of think that, like, you know, if I could give any advice is like, you know, love creative and love designing but never forget to kind of like explore and break out of like you know don't just read creative books like go and go and listen to different things and break the sort of mold of like you know i mean fair enough listen to creative podcasts you know especially this one but <laughs> yeah especially creative waffle yeah <laughs> yeah exactly but even even that i've kind of like i've started listening to kind of like um like podcasts from like people who've been in like the sas and all other kind of yeah, stuff yeah. that you know, just, just totally changes your mentality about things. And, you know, it's, I think it's like, it's stuff that you can apply to different areas from, from kind of different categories and stuff. Yeah. That's, that's a great bit of advice. Really, really good. Definitely, definitely get experience and something, yeah, something I've been definitely trying to do over the last couple of years is really hone that in and um, just be so open. But yeah, great stuff. Really good. Mm. Um, what is the, the last question, sorry, is how do you want to be remembered? Um, See, see this this one for me was like um i'd i've always had this kind of thing with imposter syndrome and stuff thinking where you know i'm I'm never going to be good enough and you know when i'm presenting i feel like i'm behind someone else sort of presenting and stuff and i think i've all, like ever since my career all the way through agency life i've always felt like i've been sort of like almost presenting to like people and stuff and kind of like always trying to sort of present the best thing that i can and and what i've realized recently is kind of like um you know you, you almost need to sort of forget 
that what they remember, it's more like what you want to remember yourself for. And I think, you know, going back to kind of like having my son and stuff, I think for me, I just want my son to remember my son and the people that I kind of work with to remember me as someone who is like, you know, I'm, I'm constantly on it and I'm, I'm never going to shy away from any challenge. And even though my work will, you know, you know, who's, I don't know if anyone's going to remember my work in like 20 years, 30 years, but if they do, fantastic, you know, I, I love it. And, you know, um, hopefully that lives on. Uh, I might even just start signing them and make it mm. proper cheddar and, and cheese and stuff. But, um, but yeah, I think it's like just being remembered for kind of like the, the optimistic person in the room who never shied away from like a problem and, you know, always setting the bar when like other people want to sort of like get into it and, and have fun. But, you know, that pushes me as well to keep doing better as well and stuff. So, yeah, something, something quite humble and stuff. I mean, I always wanted to work with like big brands and thinking, you know, oh, if I get to work with Nike, you know, everyone's going to remember me for that and stuff. But then you realize there's thousands of people who do that. Um, yeah, yeah. yeah, when really like, you know, um, helping helping like your local accountants to sort of form a community, helping people through this COVID, you know, I think that's more honor, honorable than kind of like, yeah, you can work on a big campaign for someone, but that's going to come and go. Like, you know, people are going to remember that in like five years or six years. True, true, yeah. Yeah, yeah. very nice. I, we've got a lot of similarities, I think. It's, it's, it's lovely. <laughs> it's great. Cheers, man. Yeah, nice. It's been good. It's been a really good conversation. I appreciate it. appreciate you Cheers, spending dude. the time with me. Yeah, cheers for inviting me on, man. I mean, I can I can waffle uh, quite a hey, lot. Um, that's why it's called that. I, I'm quite glad that we haven't kind of like I haven't segued into Star Trek either because I'm like a massive Trek <laughs> and stuff. So uh, that that'll be another conversation from other time, man. But um, so, but no, I I appreciate being called on, man. I uh, you know it's it's been a good journey, dude. Nice. Where can people find you? Check you out and say hello. Um. Online, I'm under James Pop, but with like a P0P instead of a POP, <laughs> basically across everything like Twitter, Instagram, Behance, Drizzle. They don't have it, do they? Anything. Yeah, it was annoying because I had an email oh, recently just... saying, like, honestly, they wanted 10 grand for it or something like that. Jeez. And I was just like, seriously, they were like, oh, do you know your revenue? I think it was some kind of digital company in America just sent me an email going, like, oh, did you know you could like get this kind of domain? You know, we need, there's this person who wants $10,000. And I was just like, I'm not bothered, like, you know, take it and stuff. And, and I think the, the if with James Pop there, I mean, that if you want me to tell you where that kind of started from, if we've got time. Yeah, go for it. Yeah. yeah? Well, you, said about, you that, said at the start about the lollipop. Yeah, but yeah. even before even before that, kind of like I was leaving uni and everything was quite stale and everyone wanted you to be this kind of like um, square designer and stuff like that. Lollipop was my kind of like, way to sort of explode and be fluffy and be colorful and disruptive and stuff and um it was fun because i remember i was tagging around manchester and stuff and um leaving like lollipop stickers everywhere and stuff and yeah it's it's weird because it's kind of stuck with me but it's allowed me to keep that kind of naivety to my work and stuff where i don't take myself too seriously and um i have this i have this really funny thing with clients where um whenever i get a new client i on the phone i always tell them i'm going to come and stay with them um, and it's weird because uh, it tends to go quiet <laughs> as yeah, soon as yeah, I say I it. Well, then it's like they go, "Yeah, sure, why not?" And like I remember going to Philly to meet like a client, and we were, we were out and stuff, and I was chatting away to them. We've become really good friends now. And I went over to New wow, York. So literally, to meet... yeah. yeah, I went to New York to the <laughs> to the art director at Time Out New York, and um, I was like. I was staying on her sofa bed and stuff and I met her and her husband and stuff, but it was dead weird. But I tell you what, man, it's like, it's mega invigorating because you have no idea what you're going to expect. And 
you know, when you get like after it's been said and done, like, man, I'm such good friends with like all these people where like, yeah. I always said to myself, like, I, I want clients, but I really want clients who are like friends and stuff. And, um, you know, we can, you know, we form a relationship that's going to sort of transcend kind of like just client mm. worker relationship and stuff. Yeah, man. So, uh, that's wow. why I can kind of like, I can boast about just having friends as clients and stuff, man. That's impactful. That's, imp- that's impressive that you just need. When, when do you say that to them? Like on the first call or what? Like <laughs> yeah, generally first call and stuff, and like he breaks really? the ice so quite well and stuff. So if you got yeah, a bank yeah. client, you'd say, "I'm gonna come and stay with you one day." Yeah, yeah. I'd just say like you know, I'm gonna. By the way, in in a couple of weeks or a month or so, depending where you are, uh, I'm gonna come and stay with you. I've got one one lined up in Sweden, and then I think one that might be. No, that's crazy. As well. uh, yeah, I've never heard good, that man. before. I've done two hundred podcasts. I've never heard that. Well, well, to be honest, like when I when I first started my career, I was very like, um, even though I wanted to do loads of expansive things and be quite playful and fluffy, I was still quite scared of like the world and stuff yeah. and like um, putting myself out there and everything. So, I think gradually, what you kind of realise going through your career is um, all that sensitivity and all that kind of like scaredness disappears. And what what like I said, you know, all about experiences, you know me going out to time out of new york to meet you know sarah awesome lady she showed me around like the offices in time out of new york she told me all the best places to go in new york and stuff so yeah it's kind of like you know what better chance are you going to get to do that but i've created great work for her and she's also showing me the best places to go we had great pizza and all other kind of stuff man and and like you know that was probably eight years ago we're still in touch she's moved to portland and i'm gonna go out and see her there and stuff with uh, with my son and stuff so yeah it's like wow. you know i think that's when you realize kind of like you know you can you can really pick and choose who you want to work with and it stops from being like a project basis but more about building relationships with people and mm-hmm. and kind of like having a really good work-life balance wow that's, that's impressive Fair play. Cool. I mean, that's cool. That's it's really cool. Yeah. I mean, it, it hurts your heart. It, it breaks your heart when you say no, but like, uh, <laughs> which happens very rarely. Uh, uh, roughly, uh, rough percentage. How many people say yes to that? I'd probably say 93%. Really? Um, Hi. Oh, yeah, say yes honestly, or no. Say yes. Uh, say, say yes. Yeah, yeah. Oh, because, yeah, like, wow. Well, the, it, it's because it's a double edged sword because they're, they're just kind of thinking, like, shit does this guy mean it is like is he is he being real or is he just like this is part of his sales spiel because no other designer or illustrator is going to say this to me but then when i turn up with my bags and i'm just like oh yeah you're all right um they're just like oh shit but let, let's make the most of it and stuff and and like wow. my one of my one of my biggest clients is a is a big fintech giant in uh in america and they're based in philly and basically i went over and i met a designer from san diego and a few others and yeah, we did the same thing, man, and like said hello and stuff. And now we're the best of friends and stuff. And like, I'm planning to go out to San Diego and a few other places where they can teach my son to surf and stuff like that. So, nice. honestly, it's it's such a good work life balance. It's it's great, man. That's great. Next time we have, we have a conversation on the podcast, we'll definitely talk about that. And that. The, the, oh, by the way, I'm I'm gonna come. Stay, I'm stuff. gonna come. I'm gonna come and stay with you in like two weeks. By the way. <laughs> yeah, you got to ask my parents about that one. That'd be weird. <laughs> I'm one of the three, but I'm one of the was it a three percent or seven percent of saying no? Exactly. <laughs> Until I have go. my own place. Until I have my own place, so you can cover. There stuff. you go. Yeah, that'll work, man. That'll work. But yeah, um, but yeah, it's funny. It's cool, man. It's cool. It's good. Well, I appreciate. It.